Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Bengal Tiger Podcast. I'm Matthew Bruno, and joining me once again is Shay Dixon. Um, what, a little over 24 hours since we did our reaction podcast, and uh, now we're here for the Monday Mailbag. Shay, how are you? I'm well. I uh, Brian Kelly was – people asked on the board, is Brian Kelly mad? I think you can tell from his press conference today he's mad. He is not happy uh, with the defensive performance of the weekend and on the season, and he wasn't going to call people out by name. But we'll get into it, I'm sure, with some of these questions. But he's most certainly said in the offseason there will be a deep dive into the issues on that side of the ball from coaching to players and that – changes will come yeah i mean it feels like the special teams of last year except defense is obviously much more important than special teams at this point so um yeah i mean we have we have plenty of questions i already skimmed through them like you said uh we'll get into the defense and every crevice and every hole uh people have questions about so we can just jump right into it there's no real injury updates besides Jaden daniels obviously who well, is that's uh, Dayton- that's the biggest one yeah. i mean that's the one that matters. And it was day to day. And look, he, the CBS broadcast said concussion protocol. I don't believe Brian Kelly's ever said concussion protocol. He's just called it protocol. Obviously, you got to dance around HIPAA a little bit. I doubt it's a broken jaw. Like you wouldn't be at a protocol for a broken jaw or anything. Yeah. And he looked fine walking off the field after the game. So he said that they don't practice Monday. Obviously, that's walk through film reviewed stuff and then Tuesday practice. So that's when he would be evaluated Tuesday morning. Then they would decide if he's practicing that day or not. But he basically just said day to day. We'll see as the week goes on. Yeah. So obviously that's a, a big cloud. Now we'll have to see how that plays out. Um, Zy Alexander still out as well. Yes. And yeah. I think that's it. I think we can get into it. And no one even asked about Denver and Deuce. There's no update needed, no update provided. They're not going to be out there. There's no expectation of that in my mind. Um, but he did say with uh, Daniels that, or I guess I should say he did not ever say like he got a concussion or anything like that. So I don't know. Medical folks can weigh in, but whatever protocol is and entails, he's in part two of protocol tomorrow. All right. All right. We're ready to rock. Let's do it. All right. NolaFan33, um, active member on the board. All these uh, questions are coming from Bengal Tiger subscribers who are on the Ponderosa message board. It's active. It's popping every day. If you're not a member, you get the message board. You get the whole site, everything, uh, access to everything on the On3 network. It's $1. Uh, go to the Bengal Tiger. Go to one of our Twitters, at Shay Dixon. Uh, you'll see the link there often. But uh, if you go to LSU on three, kind of Google it, find it, or just BengalTiger.com, one buck uh, for a month that carries you through the rest of the football season and a lot of recruiting news that'll be coming. And uh, Billy and I have a recruiting podcast this week. So anyhow, uh, if you're a member, you throw questions at us each week like these and we'll answer them on the podcast. And NOLAFAN starts by saying, how hard is it for an inside linebacker like Omar Spates not to have a single tackle for loss this season? So... 
in the game against Alabama, and this all hinges to, I think, around Whit Weeks as a true freshman. He's been Omar Spates' backup. He's played very well. But we even saw that in after Weeks started playing some, when Spates got healthy again, it went back to Spates, and Weeks' snap count went down. Weeks played no snaps. Uh, this past weekend at Alabama, I was of all the personnel decisions on defense. That was the one I was floored by. If he was available, there's no reason he shouldn't be out there at some point in those 70 snaps that Omar Spates got. But uh, to Nola's point uh, this year, we've seen um, I'm bringing up the uh, the stats right here. We've seen Spates play in six of nine games, 35 tackles. Uh, but he has not recorded a single other stat, not a pass breakup, not a hurry, not a tackle for loss, not a forced fumble, not a fumble recovery, not a pick. Um, he is in the top, what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven on the team in tackles despite playing six games, but that's pretty natural for a linebacker anyways. It's just Matty B on spates and how much they ride him because Brian Kelly said it ahead of Bama. He said, like out of nowhere, he's like, look, I love Whit Weeks. Y'all love Whit Weeks. We all do, but Omar's a veteran and we're going to lean on him. And they played him all 70 snaps. I think this kind of gets into the, which I know we have a question about later, but like the um, coaching versus player uh, aspect of this defense. And if you look at Omar Spates through four years at Oregon State, I mean, I went and watched the film. I mean, anybody who went and watched his Oregon State film, they were using him in a variety of different ways. He was used as a pass rusher. I remember in uh, fall camp, they had him doing kind of Harold Perkins-esque stuff as a pass rusher, just do some one-on-ones with some tight ends or tackles and stuff to see, you know, how he looked. Because in his career, he has 25 tackles for loss in the four years at Oregon State, including eight TFLs last year. This year, he has zero. And... You know, you can say what you want about the personnel. You can say what you want about Omar Spates, but it's very much has it very much has not been a seamless transition for him. This has not been a defense that utilizes his strengths. I thought when they got him, he wasn't a true, you know, Micah Baskerville type line or uh, Micah Baskerville or um, Damone Clark type linebacker. He was used. He had the most coverage snaps of any linebacker in the Pac-12 last year. He had pass rushes, and now they're just kind of putting him there and saying, "All right, play middle linebacker." Yes, that's not what he did at Oregon State. And so, again, he hasn't been good. But this not this isn't what he this isn't defense that he was at Oregon State. These, um, this isn't that same system. And so, um, that this to me is something that hasn't been talked about at all. Is how Omar Spates is in a completely different system and being used completely differently than he was at Oregon State. Um, this year so it's not that Omar Spates is bad it's that they're not using him in the way that he is used to being used across four years of becoming a college starter and all Pac-12 performer yeah and you can say you can say okay well he's not good enough at you know playing inside linebacker which he's going to need to be if you know play at the NFL or whatever like if that was his goal but for a college linebacker at Oregon State he did cover he was uh it was pretty highly rated in pff's coverage grade last year he had a ton of snaps there uh as a he got in the backfield a lot because he was used as like an attacking type player um so that's where i thought he they were going to use him going into the year if you go read my transfer analysis on him and now he's they're just putting him there saying all right go be a middle linebacker and it's similar to harold perkins he's not that's that's not really what he does so it's overall it's just an all-around mess do you have does PFF let you see like for a player the entire year what their coverage versus run yeah. versus pass rush? 
Has he had a yeah. single pass rush this season? That's a good question. I'd have to look that up. I'm sure he does at some point on a blitz. Okay, yeah, he does. I can look it up from this game. Um, he had 70 sure he snaps, has. 35 in run defense, 31 in coverage, four as a pass rusher. So he's okay. even getting pass rushing. He's just not getting home to anybody. Yeah, and the way that he's used in coverage even is different here than it was at Oregon State. It's just a, such a different um, defense. I wish I had the, the transfer analysis story in front of me, but it's a very much a – it's just a different world. So, it, again, you can be mad at Spates and whoever else, um, but – this is very much between him and Perkins. This year has gone very differently than I expected to go um, in how they're used. Spent a lot of time on that question, but yeah. Yeah, it's all good. Um, and Nola asked uh, on defense um, next season, who, what, what guys do you think might need to be upgraded? Um, and his, he says there's guys that are out of eligibility. Obviously, Andre Sam's a safety, Omar Spates at linebacker, Ovia Gufu as an edge rusher. He threw in Guillory. I'm pretty sure Guillory is only a redshirt junior. You have to factor in COVID so he could come back, but he also doesn't start. He's more of just like the nose tackle. Yeah. Um, let's presume guys like Wingo are gone. He said everyone else is fair game. Is there just a – I know corner is going to jump out. They're just going to have to figure that out. I don't know if it's Tobiano but, and Stamps. I don't know if it's Sage again Like because Sage has eligibility. I don't, I don't know the answer there. I would hope that you're finding – better production there no matter what the route is but when he says upgraded to me that means you're upgrading in terms of somebody else coming in right okay so then that wouldn't corner, be corner like, i don't think corner, or or i would take upgrade like if toviano ends up being a full-time corner and is very good i would consider that safeties. an upgrade but um, i think if you if he's okay yeah i just don't know how to approach the upgrade part of the question like okay well let's think of it but like this on the D-line, Savion Jones, Mason Smith could both be – will most likely both be back. Uh, Wingo gone, so that upgrade part is out of the equation anyways, and he's very good. I don't – D-end is very tough for me to say. I know people love to hate on Savion Jones. I'm not the most sour on him. In fact, he's got more production than a lot of guys do on this front seven. Yeah. So. Okay, yeah, I, I just don't – I mean, I upgraded mean, to me means like replaced, I think with a okay. better player. And I don't know how many players you're going to like, what are you going to go to the portal and get like another corner or two? Like, I don't safety wise. I think they could be an interesting one when losing Sam and Burns. You might have to, maybe they'll try for the portal. Um, so that way they don't have to roll out Yates and Jordan Allen or jo Toviano starting next year, maybe. Um, so maybe that's an upgrade. Um, but I mean, in theory, if, you're, if we're talking about upgrade, just that who needs to be better, the entire defense needs to be better, but I look at it as like a replacement type thing. Well, and Major Burns is also only a, like Major Burns could come back, obviously. That's true. So Great about that. There, there's because of COVID, a lot of these guys have extra years. It's really tough to say because so many guys are like they could come back, and I don't know are they the starter for a third year in a row or are you upgrading? I'd I'd have to look at this after the season when I know like who's back and who's not, and then yeah. I'd say okay, here's the spots that I would upgrade, but. DB for sure is where I think they need to have some real focus on. I agree. Uh, and then he just asked, do we have a legit argument to keep any defensive staff member aside from Lindsay? Well, Lindsay hasn't even been out there, so that's out of the question. Look, this is going to be at the hands of Brian Kelly. And my opinion does not matter here, uh, nor do I know every little in and out of if they're poor teachers, if the guys aren't executing correctly, you know, whatever it might be. But Kelly said today, look, guys, I know you want answers, and here's what I'll tell you. 
when the season ends, I'm doing a deep dive into this and I'm cleaning it up and whatever changes need to be made will be made. I take that to mean that there will be some defensive staff changes. Thank you, Sandra. Well, when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, Bourbon and Cheerio is obviously a longtime listener, first-time caller, and he still loves the show. Um, he said, Baby Goat is now taken to extremely physical shots with zero reaction from the O-line. Uh, the body slam against FSU, the Dallas Turner headshot. Uh, he didn't even toss in last year. I do believe in the SEC championship game, um, Georgia just picked Jaden up at one point yeah. and held him in the air on display. Yeah. And then let him go, and nothing ever happened. Uh, do you make anything? Do you want to see your O lineman out there scrapping? I mean, sure, uh, yeah, but yeah, I, it means I, nothing to me. Look, it means nothing. Everybody, this goes back to what we, the Florida State thing, where it's like, oh, they're not being dogs. Well, maybe they're just not good enough, or maybe they're just getting beat. Like, if you're getting beat, I don't know. I, whenever I get beat, and I think the O line is good enough. Something. I'm not trying just the, the O line should have the O line's good enough. They should have that dog in them. It I takes agree, me back. but if just, you get beat, but if in a sport, if you get beat on something, I, at least me personally, that's like, I'm not just turn around looking to scrap because somebody beat me. Like, I'm not looking to fight someone just because they beat me. And But I understand I, the dirty aspect of it, but it's just. It I'll is, also it's say that in real time, I'd have to go back and look at the thing. It That's happening in such a split couple seconds that you don't even know if the O-lineman see that he got hit or how it was. It was that he was laying there and. Do you want to immediately fighting Dallas? Dallas Turner was laying there too. He was like, what, what gives what happened? Oh, it's a flag. So like, you'd like to at least see them go get Jaden up. I mean, obviously sure. he laid there and the medical staff came out. It reminds me it's not as bad, but you want that fight in you. When LSU went to this before your time, when LSU had Mettenberg, Zach Mettenberg and they went to Alabama, he got beat up all game and he already had bad knees. And they took a shot on his knee one time and he crawled off the field, dragged his body off and O-linemen were just walking past him. Like that's the kind of stuff you don't want to see. It's like, yeah. be there for your quarterback. And in this instance, sure. Jaden's the best player on your team. So I don't think there's any ill will on Jaden. I just, sure. I'd like to see some more dog. I mean, let's have it. Yeah. I mean, sure. I, I think this team has picked up its intensity significantly since the opening game of the season. I think that they have, um had a good amount of attitude to them over as a as a team now they just haven't been good enough on defense to really show that and offensively um i mean yeah sure i guess just fight everybody um scrap do it yeah defense as you when you know that they're not that good enough to have that sort of after the play swagger it's that it's the old adage of the completely overthrown ball 30 yards downfield and the db being like you know no fly zone it was like bro no one was anywhere near that ball nobody you weren't even catching it so you need to see more of that um, but hey man it's, it's swagger uh given how we're going on here uh given how matt canada and matt house eras have gone matt canada still got a job out there for all the steelers fans uh will matt mcmahon's success or failure determine if scott woodard introduces a program wide ban on hiring anyone named matt I um 
I look, I think Matt McMahon's a really good coach. You're the basketball guy, but as Scott Woodward said, last year was year zero. There's no more NCAA looming clouds. There's the questions have been answered. They're recruiting well now. Season kicks off too tonight. So I'm trying to think there's Maybe any other man. Win. You said this, you said they were playing like the worst team in basketball too. So yeah, they're playing the worst college basketball team in the country. So there you go. Um there's there any other match the, the week is in. Matt. Matt. But what's another Matt? I feel like there's another Matt somewhere in LSU that I can't think about. Yeah, oh, I man. I, well, go back in the day. I, right. I think the Matt McMahon era will be fine. Maybe it's just your coordinators that you don't, you're, you're not liking the coordinators named Matt. So that's what yeah. it is. Sorry, Matthew. Um, it's okay. Your future is you don't have one at LSU as a coordinator uh, because Bourbon and Cheerios does not want you to. Uh, he also said, uh, do Bengal Tiger points get us anything? There are none, obviously. Uh, he wants redeemable for drinks. Maybe a shout-out in an article. I'll give you a shout-out every week on the podcast. Every single yeah, we'll game I play into the year, long-time listener, first-time caller. Or he'll settle for a tennis lesson for Matty B. There you go. Well, the Bengal Tiger tennis lesson for all the subscribers. That'd be nice of you. You're a very good tennis player. Get everyone out there. Get them active. Get them swinging. Get, let them relieve a little stress. Don't have a basketball pickup. Just have a basketball day too just get everybody out there going uh, we don't need any more we don't need injuries we need injuries. Maybe a little safer on tennis just hitting it around um okay capital city tiger 21 how did you guys think toviano played all right so jv and toviano true freshman goes from safety to corner he gets his first career start um i will tell you that uh four guys played 70 snaps it's the same four guys who always do that was every snap your two linebackers in Penn and Spate, Sage Ryan at corner, and then Andre Sam at safety. Normally, Major Burns is in there. He was out for a few plays. But Toviano played 68. So you put a true freshman out there at a new position. He played nearly every single snap. Your thoughts, Matty B? Uh, I thought he was fine. Um, wasn't tested a ton. Uh, lost contain on Milrow at least once on top of my head. Um, I mean, I thought he was he – was fine he wasn't like he wasn't the reason they lost by any means um yeah i, th I thought he was fine I, I really don't have a strong feel either way if you know if you're if people who are fans of jv and toviano which obviously we are uh it was good to see him out there it's he's physically ready as we know he is just gonna we thought maybe it'd take a year to get comfortable and obviously figure out where they want to play him safety nickel corner i mean he's gone between all three positions over since he's gotten here so i think it's corner I, yeah probably long term nickel depending on how they do the defense but yeah i mean corner nickel something like that i will say i don't know what you stock anyone puts into pff i know everyone's got a differing opinion on it but um he was lsu's highest graded coverage defender so there's that there you go there you go. Way to go, Javian. Um, very solid. Just to go out on the road at Bama and have to play your first start, that ain't easy. Um, nope. so. And look, it wasn't the uh, DBs who were giving it up. That wasn't the nope. reason they lost the game. So shout out Javian. Uh, he said he thought he was decent. Um, do you guys feel bad for JD5, given the season he's having, the defense holding him and the team back? Uh, is it fair to JD in the offense that they have to be perfect to give us a real chance to win in big games like this since we can't build a competitive defense? I mean, yeah, I guess I feel – I think that's football. That's sports. That's, that's – I was going to say. Know, it's whatever. Every team I mean, has 
Yeah, I mean, every team has the short. I mean, Caleb Williams, Michael Penix. You go down the, the USC's list. USC's defense is awful. They fired Alex Grinch. Yeah, I um, mean, it's, it's kind of just sports for me. If there's a basketball team, yeah, that there's a lot of basketball up. teams who know they have to put up 115 a night to win. Yeah, if there's a baseball team that can't pitch, you know, you got to hit. It's it's just kind of sports for me. So, but sure, I mean, I feel bad for him because it would be great if he was undefeated and winning the Heisman this year. Yeah, and I feel good for him that he's had the success he's had. Yeah, he's been awesome. I, yeah. Draft stocks uh, went way up. I mean, he's he'll be. He'll I be feel good. happier for him than I feel sad for him. Yes, I think he's yeah. having a great year, and the offense has been awesome, and the play calling has been great, and all that. So, everything he's responsible for has been very excellent. Uh, but he did ask, uh, "Is this more to blame on defense? Is this house or the DC coaches, or is this players?" We've said it time again. I don't think it continues to change for me. I think it's just a combination of both. I think it's evals maybe some missed portal evals it's coaching it's executing it's all of that right i mean when you're one of the worst defenses in the ncaa it's not just because you have a bad d coordinator or it's not just because you have mid talent as the kids would say or describe i don't know you know and i think lsu actually has some okay talent pretty good players it's it's everything it's not going to be one when you're that consistently bad it can't be one thing it's got to be multiple things I agree. Um, I mean, we talked about it after the on the reaction podcast a bit. I mean, I'm I'm with you. I just I think it's both, and it's fun to play the blame game. Uh, which is it House or the players? I mean, clearly, if House doesn't, if they don't get it cleaned up, maybe they make a change over the off season. I don't know, but I mean, you'll have to make changes for with the players too. I mean, I don't think either one is is safe in this in this spot. Let's go. Um... That's all he had to ask. Okay, shout out Capital City. Uh, Coach K, seven. Um, great guy. It's always super nice on the site. Yeah. Uh, any word on why we didn't see Ryan Yates or LaTerrence Welsh get a few snaps? Uh, Jordan Allen did get a few snaps at safety. Um, also, he said he saw Ty G. Hill got four snaps, and they were actually on big drives. Uh, what do you consider his future to be considered? He played over Jalen Lee. FYI, he says, um, it sucks to be a Florida Gator. Uh, it is Florida week. Um Let's take it from the top, Yates. And, and these are actually things that when you sent me over the snap count that I was like, hey, I, I saw they played. What was it like? And they did do some shuffling. Um, it was not Ryan Yates who played at safety whenever one of the safeties had to come off. It was Jordan Allen. Hey, you're a Jordan Allen fan, Matty B. Yes, finally. Um, I was I was worried. Between him and Welsh, I thought I was going to go 0 for 2, um, which, I mean, you know, we'll see how they do. We'll see. Uh, what their futures hold who knows but yeah it was good to see jordan allen out there uh like i said you you kind of did the write-up on the snap counts and stuff so i'll defer to you in terms of how all that got divvied up but allen i think yates they liked more in those like dime packages and like as like a nickel or type stuff when they had more dbs on the field maybe with jordan allen when they just had to do a one-for-one sub maybe they like allen as a traditional safety more so so that's something to consider moving forward. And Welsh, I mean, I once they decided it was JV and Tobiano and Sage Ryan, this you play those two until the wheels fall off. I don't really. Yeah. Again, that goes back to what I said before the season. You get two corners, you start the corners, and you play the corners. Yeah. The only other corner who corners who played Ashen Stamps, a freshman, played ten uh, snaps, nine in coverage. Uh, and Jeremiah Hughes got in on a coverage snap, um, but no Welsh. Here's what I think the reality on Welsh is. Coming back from two knee injuries in high school is a very hard thing to do. And he was healthy a year ago, but he was on special teams. 
being a starting corner is just asking a whole different level of being able yeah. to turn and run and do these things that while he's a great athlete coming back from, we see it with Mason Smith, one knee yep. injury is tough to come back from. Two is a lot, uh, especially when you suffer him in high school. So we'll see what the future holds there. But I think that's kind of a reason is what Maddie B said, even in the off season, they're going to pick a couple of guys at corners and stick with them. And while they've been different guys in the actual games, they pick their two and they just stick with them. Yeah. Besides Ole Miss, where that was. The Besides best. Ole Miss. That was just. A, um, yeah. They scored. Ty G. Hill. Oh, yeah. Ty G. Hill. He played over Jalen Lee. Four snaps. He got, about five, he, he got four snaps um, as a DT behind Jacoby and Guillory. So basically, when Guillory was winded, Ty G. went in. Yeah. I, I know, obviously, defensive tackle is a big talking point for a lot of people. So um, I, I guess, you know long-term potential it's only it's only year two for him right this year so year two. sure i mean i feel good maybe he can plug some holes and uh fill in for jacoby and gillary next year yeah and look gillary might be back so who knows yes yeah, true still richard jr like i said so much can the roster is going to be quite fluid this offseason because they are going to be much closer they are at that 85 man limit so they'll have to do some balancing uh, but good. Shout out to Taiji Hill. I mean, it's nice to see guys get into the game we don't get to see very often, even if it's just a little bit. Um, Gulf Coast Tiger, how does Kelly sit at the press conference today and say the defense should have put a spy on Milrow and not say something during the actual game? Matty B, that was like all the rage after the presser is that he said, hey, look, obviously after watching it, we should have put a spy on Milrow. In our game thread, we're sitting there like, are they not going to spy Milrow ever? Like, what, what's happening here? The frustrating thing is this isn't like this isn't like a team spying Jaden Daniels because with LSU they you know obviously Daniels can beat you with his arm. The yeah, Jaden would just throw it all over. Yeah, you. yeah, you can. The LSU offense is diverse enough and has enough variety to beat you in multi, in a lot of different ways. Alabama's offense was almost single handedly beating LSU with Jalen Milrose's legs, like 155 rushing yards from him. Uh, the receivers had what, like eight, nine, ten catches on the game, and a couple of those were like short passes. Um, they ran the ball fine, but they weren't like ripping off runs like they were with Milrow. It felt no. like you know it was all or nothing with Milrow. And if you stopped him, like the whole game plan at halftime, heck, in the second quarter should have been how are we stopping Milrow and making him beat us with his arm, making his receivers beat us, making the running backs beat us, making anybody else beat us here, and um, they weren't able to do that. And they didn't even try, I guess, I don't during the game. No, no, that's what was baffling. Um, and Kelly came out and said, look, we should have done it, which is better than – I know people are frustrated and say, well, why didn't you do it? At least he said it. Better than him being like, I liked our game plan. Yeah. You gave up four rushing touchdowns to the quarterback, and he said, look, we should have been spying. And by we, I think he means the defensive coordinator should have been spying, you know, had someone spying. And it's not like it's not their arsenal. The hell, they that's what won them the Arkansas game against Malik Cornsby a year ago. You were facing a quarterback who's an all-state track athlete coming out of high school in Texas. You knew he'd run it around, so they spied him, and it worked. I don't get why at no point they went to that question. I, a question that will go unanswered because we will we don't get to talk to Matt House during the season, so uh, we won't have that answer, and Kelly's only going to say so much. Uh, but – I'm with you. Look, they should have make, made Bill. I thought they would, even with deficiencies at defensive back and Tobiano at corner for his first time. The too long, like, make Milroy beat you with his arm. And that's not like revisionist history. I thought that should have just been the plan because I said it last week. Like, P 
people forget a year ago when Milrow was coming into games, it was like, damn, this dude should be a running back. Like nobody can bring him down. Well, he wasn't even having to do design runs. It was like you said, he would just realize, oh, look, I've got 30 yards I can run right here and do it every single time. And he's a load to bring down. And the two longest pass plays he had were dump offs to running backs. And you can miss me with the, he would have carved up the defense. I saw him when there was no one even in the vicinity and he threw it 20 yards over the player's head on a walk-in touchdown on what should have just been a little dump off play. So yeah, I have no clue why they didn't at the point they realized he's just going to run all over us that they didn't spy him. But what can you do? LWT. Uh, what do you think about Ella is who is asking the question? It's not an acronym for anything cool. Uh, what do you think about LSU not selling out to stop the run being that it was Bama's strength? Should they have made, made Milro beat him with their arm, even with a DB situation? I guess I gave my two cents. Maddie B your thoughts in general on just sell out to stop the run. This was a team that was almost at 70% running the football clip going into the game. Yeah. Um, I'm just looking at it. Jason McClellan ended the game with 4.5 yards per carry. Roydell Williams got going a bit in the second half, 9.3 yards per carry. I honestly don't think their traditional run defense was even that bad. Honestly, it was just kind of Milrow. Milrow's designed runs for one, and then his scrambles, obviously. So the scrambles, like I said last podcast, kind of caught me off guard, but you still should have had a plan in place to adjust for that. The lack of adjustment is what is concerning to me. Um, but yeah, I think you summed it up well overall on the last one. Um, Mason Cox, do you believe it's personnel or the players on defense? We kind of touched on that. Will it be improved next year? Um, Maddie B, your gut. I mean, you have can't to be think, worse. Right? Can't be worse. No, no, That's people are going to go, you could be 130 out of instead of 100. Well, like, I guess, yeah, but it's not going to, it will not be worse next year. It'll be better. It won't be worse. It won't. It won't be worse. It can't. Can't be worse. You can put that on a shirt. I'll. I'll buy it, man. It. It can't be worse. I mean, I don't know. Well, you There's... lost your best starting D lineman. You lost your best DB. You lost your best corner, and you were already talent deficient. Like it's not going to get worse than that. Yeah. So. Um. Yeah. I, I think it will be every transfer quick. corner you took is unavailable. Like these are the worst things that can happen. Yeah. So. Um. I do think it will be improved next year. How much? We'll see. Hopefully it's enough to counter an offensive, uh, an offense that won't be, you know, number one in the country, I assume, going in. Uh, Go Tigers 5280 said, uh, or excuse me, Go Doc. Let me get a skipped over one. Uh, Possibility of some coaching changes occurring uh, prior to the conclusion of the season. I would say very low. Yeah, I mean, you would know better than me. I would say very low as well. I mean, I would just, he's going to hand, I mean, we saw coaching changes last season. They came after the season. Yeah, it feels like Brian Kelly is very much an after-the-season type coach because, I mean, like Alex Grinch gets fired from USC. You know, what is – I feel like it has to be almost mutual in a sense whenever that's the case. Um, and I don't feel like Madhouse, Brian Kelly are at that mutual point. I feel like they're both working really hard to fix this and try to get this team to 10 wins, which is still a possibility. If you go 10 and 3, if you're Brian Kelly, you're you're happy, right? Obviously, USC is probably already past the point where it doesn't matter what they do the rest of the year, they're not going to be happy. And that's that's an unsolvable situation. Um, salvageable situation. Uh um, but I think Madhouse and Brian Kelly are gonna try to fix this thing for four more games, hopefully. And whatever happens after that, I think then they assess it. 
Uh, or you could just fire some, you could pull a Dion and demote Sean Lewis, your offensive crazy. coordinator mid season, despite the fact that Sean Lewis is one of the best offensive coordinators in the country. Um, you could go that route, which is absolutely what I think that's some of the wild, all this Colorado stuff that's come out, everything Dion win, them losing the watches, the stuff's getting stolen yeah. from the locker room, the hype videos, demoting Sean Lewis is wild to me. Yeah. I don't even can't, I can't I fathom that one. Daddy ain't happy with how he's using his son at quarterback. That's what they, that's what, hey, that's what they said on the TV. Yeah, probably know, right. Was, that, that was the scoop. Uh, anyhow, uh, I'm moving back to LSU. Um, but no, I think it's after the season. And Kelly even said today, my goal is beating Florida, beating Georgia State, beating Texas A&M, getting ourselves in a position to win 10, get a 10 win season. And I will fully evaluate everything once the season ends. So I trust that to be the case. Uh, go Tigers 58, 80 now, just two, he said for us. Uh, should most of the draft level defensive players, particularly on the D-line return to get into offseason with an actual D-line coach before going pro? Um, and he asked about Lindsay's biggest recruiting task. I don't even know if Lindsay will be here. So that's a different I think he meant altogether. to. Yeah, I think he meant it. Is that Lindsay's biggest recruiting task? As in keeping those guys from leaving? Oh, like I guess yeah, keeping... I don't. I don't imagine what kind of draft stock Savion Jones and Mason Smith have right now. He has to be talking about Wingo, right? Wingo's going. Wingo will go pro. Wingo's gone, but that's okay. Yeah. So then it's Smith and Jones and well, Agofu's out of out of correct um, years. So then it's Swinson's a junior yeah, technically and going pro. Yeah, so and especially with the NCAA cracking down on two-time waivers, all these waiver, all these transfers you got, you're you're stuck with them unless they graduate. You're stuck unless they graduate. Well, unless they graduate, and I I say stuck. I think Swinton could be a decent player. I think Shand has been solid. So um, I don't want to say those guys have been bad, but yeah, this is now that the NCAA has decided that about the tra- transfers, um, it gets very interesting. You can't Jefferson just- is out of eligibility, I guess. Yes, I don't think any. The only guy who should be entertaining going pro is Wingo. Yeah. So um, it is interesting, though, because now with, I mean, I'm still on that transfer portal thing. Now you can't just take 20 transfers and hope four, you know, five, six, seven of them work out because then you're stuck with the other 13. Just, and this is just a general college football thing. So I'm interested to see how that changes things moving forward. Uh, the next question you asked, I think, is a good one. No one's brought it up yet, not on the podcast, at least, uh, mailbags. If the playoff was not expanding next year, goes from four teams to 12 teams, would there be more cause for concern with the immediate future of the roster? My thinking, he says, is the roster is a work in progress, but it should be in competition compete next year for a playoff spot. But if it was only four teams, it'd obviously be a longer shot. I wrote about this on Sunday. This is something LSU fans should be excited about. Everyone is way too focused on, well, the SEC is about to get even tougher with 14 teams in Texas and OU. LSU schedules a non-con game every year. They just played Texas non-con. They beat them. They had OU on the non-con schedule coming up. It got canceled because OU's joining the conference. They'll play them next year. They play USC in non-con next year. Like every year they are playing someone very Florida State this year, very good to open the schedule. Like adding two more teams to the SEC that are good at football doesn't do anything for me. You're still only playing 12 games. I don't even care about adding another SEC one to it. It is what it is there. The expanded playoffs will do it. Uh, it does it for me from a perspective of a too long. The the this like razor thin margin for error disappears. 
you can lose two games in the SEC, not win the SEC West title, not even play for the SEC West championship or SEC championship and probably get into a 12-team playoff because it'll be the highest rated team from each conference and then the highest rated teams from there. For instance, Ole Miss this year, if they lose to Georgia and they win the rest of their games, they're probably finished the year, what, 10th, 11th, 12th in the country, something like that. So they're, yeah. they might be, you know, something like that where they're on the margins where you don't have to be perfect and you lose, if you're Ole Miss, you only lose to Alabama and Georgia as your two games. You There will be two lost SEC teams getting into the playoffs, yeah. 100%. Well, especially if the Pac-12, whatever happens there, and they drop it down another um, conference championship spot down to like five instead of six, it's another spot. So I, I agree. Um, but as far as the question goes, do I think there would be more concern if it wasn't, I mean, no, because the standard at LSU is the standard at LSU and the standard is to win a championship. I said this going into the year. I said, after year one, from this point out, the standard is to win a championship. So every decision has to be made with that in mind. The standard isn't to make the playoff like your Oklahoma and get your brain speed out by 30. So I don't, I, I mean, sh- I guess, sure, because you'll be in the conversation, but I don't, again, maybe y'all can correct me. I don't think LSU is just happy being in the conversation with being a top 10 team. Like, they're. But at least if you're in, if you're working on a limited roster, I guess he's saying, and I agree with him, okay. you have a better shot to get into a 12 team playoff okay, than yeah. four. And then anything can happen, right? It's. Yeah. Okay. okay. I, I see what you're saying. And LSU. a couple of games. Okay, I see what you're saying as far as as an LSU situation in a rebuilding program. Yes. Yes. You, yeah. you, it's advantageous now that this is coming while LSU is trying to rebuild. Absolutely. Yeah. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. A Noel fan, he said, I'll ask another if y'all don't mind. He's been thinking about this a lot lately. Ooh, this will be good. Uh, your concern next level for young receivers like, uh, and he says, Shelton Sampson, uh, Jalen Brown, Kyle Parker, et cetera. The other one would be Kyprion, not getting on the field this season. Obviously, you aren't talk- taking Malik or BTJ off the field. So that's not my concern. Just more so the young guys learning to play in the SEC and NCAA. We talked about Odell, Jarvis, Jamar, Jefferson, Marshall, Malik, et cetera the vast majority of those guys contributed as freshmen and that was probably pivotal in their breaking out as sophomores. Even BTJ had nearly 400 as a freshman. I don't know. I I just can't get too ever lost in the weeds of an LSU wide receiver conversation because every year they're going to have very talented options. Like you can get Lacey back on this team. You'd have Hilton, you'd have Samson, you'd have Brown, you'd have Parker, you'd have, Ibietta, you'd have Aaron Anderson. Um, You'd have, and now I might be missing some of those four freshmen, obviously. And now you're bringing in some guys like, this is something I think bears repeating often because I like to point to it. At no point has LSU ever lacked for receivers, even during the last years. And in the years which would be considered down receivers, I've used this example many times. 
like Russell Gage was your number one receiver. DJ Chark was your number one receiver. Well, they were three stars coming out of high school. Okay, they start in the NFL. Like, I know Gage isn't healthy right now, but those guys have NFL career. They are more than capable. And if you have multiple of them, then you're good. So LSU will never lack for receivers. I like. I don't think BTJ and Malik are the only guys that are in some rare air. You know, I think more guys will play this year. It's these two are our, by far our best options. We're going to use them the most. Yeah, I agree. You laid it out well. Um, I'm not worried at all about Sam. I think Samson's going to be really, really good. And then you plug in Brown, Parker, um, Preon, potentially. I mean, I think they're going to be really good. And um, I know everybody's down on Nussmeyer, but um, you got Nussmeyer throwing you the ball. I think you'll have plenty of chances to to make some plays. Mike the Tiger said a lot's been discussed on the secondary, but he wants to know what you thought of a linebacker play this year, filling gaps, tackling, overall performance. He said he can't remember the last time a linebacker hit the running back in the hole and filled the gap of the line of scrimmage. Um, Greg he Penn didn't did. say that Penn, he said Penn was Greg good Penn actually Saturday. Penn. Yeah, Greg yeah. Penn hit, had a couple nice plays uh, against Alabama. Um, he said so that he goes. Penn was actually good Saturday night. So yeah, come on I'm now. a Greg Penn fan. Y'all know that. So you got to take this question. Yeah. Um. I mean, uh, Greg Penn has been fine this year. I mean, I'm not saying he's been great, but um, it would be nicer if Greg Penn had a compliment next to him, um, like a maybe Demone Clark or something like that. I mean, we saw last year with Michael Baskerville. I thought he was able to uh, uh have a pretty good year. So, um. Yeah, I mean, I, the linebacker play has not been good enough. We kind of covered that in the beginning when I talked about Omar Spates and his fit. Uh, but I think Greg Penn has been um, overall solid, good enough. And then Whit Weeks next year I think will be fun. Okay, next question is um, not a question that we have an answer to, but Hunter Fournette just wants to know, Saban can't live that much longer, right? He's asking for a friend. Um. Saban, 72. Mac Brown, 72. These are some guys who've done it for a long time at a high level. I don't know. Your guess, Matty B. I don't think this is it for Saban. Saban's going to win nope. another national championship before he hangs it up. Ooh. Yeah. I mean, I I think he probably has, what, four or five more years ago? He's going to be there for a, for a minute. So, yeah, I mean, if the, Alabama winning a title in the next five years, I'd probably take that, yeah. And then he'd, stay, he'd ride off into the, the, the sunset of the lake after that. There you go. I will say no, no, I don't think it's this year. I'll tell you that. So, uh, JD, JDG 12. Um, why does God hate LSU football right now? Well, if he hated LSU football, he wouldn't give you the number one offense in the country. It's, uh, he's giving you a gift there. There's a lot more teams out there that are struggling. Um, but then seriously, he says, what do you think about Nussmeyer if he has to play this weekend? Maddie B you're a Nussbus. What driver at times. I don't know how you want to say it. Obviously you've, uh, You've been nothing but praised Jaden all year and have never thought Nuss should go in at any point. But if he does have to play, your thoughts? I am only concerned because this is an offense that has been based around Jaden Daniels for an entire season and offseason and last year as well. Um, I think next year's offense under with Nussmeyer at the helm will look very different. I think it will play to his strengths more as it should, as any good offense should, play to their quarterback strengths. Um this offense is heavily relying on Daniel's legs to get them out of problems. Nussmeyer can move, but he's not nearly as fast. Um, so I don't know what to expect if Nussmeyer is the quarterback this weekend, um, exactly how he plays. I mean, he's going to throw the ball. He could have a turnover too, but I, th- I think 
my opinion of Nussmeyer has not changed since the Georgia game last year. And I don't think it should have changed for anybody last year. I mean, we've seen what we've seen this year. The fourth quarter of Bama is nothing I'm going to look at and be like, oh, like he doesn't have it. Well, first of all, first of all, they had the ball for three minutes in the fourth quarter. Um, Second of all, I thought he was actually pretty good. Um, He was getting pressured on a few of those. And then he dropped a beautiful ball at the Malik neighbors on fourth down that was dropped. So, I mean, I don't, I don't even think he played badly, but the standard right now is Jaden Daniels, and he is not Jaden Daniels. Well, he's the best, and, and Jaden Daniels has more yards than anyone in college football. <laughs> yes, so if we're holding that standard, then I don't think Nussmeyer will reach that level this weekend if he plays. But overall, I think he is good enough to beat Florida. I think they him That's the question. is good enough to beat Florida. But heck, if the defense could get a stop or two, and if the defense can only can hold Florida to like 24, 27 points, then yeah, I think Nussmeyer beats Florida. This is where you're happy you've got Logan Diggs in a bit of a, a running game that's yeah. got life right now. Yeah. So, yeah, he's definitely good enough to beat Florida. Um, Houston Tiger 21 asked, Do you think the Bama game sealed the defensive staff's fate? How many do you see being retained for the next year? We've talked about this a good bit already now. Um, but yes, I think that from how Kelly talked today, there are changes coming. And it was almost as if that was the final straw type thing. Not that the results were the results continue to look the same. If it, if that's the case into November now, then yes, the, the changes are coming. Um, and I'm not sure how many, I mean, that's all up to Kelly uh, and what he views as the biggest deficiencies. Uh, what bowl game do you see LSU landing at? That's impossible for me to say, because I think they're knocked out of New Year's six contention now. So Let's you're, see. I'm not popping. I just, I just pulled up a bowl projection. Well, yeah, the, the, the latest bowl projections have LSU versus Notre Dame. Okay, well, I see another one that says LSU. Is this today's? I don't know. LSU versus North Carolina State. There's one. Yeah. Give me Notre Dame. I mean, what if it's like LSU versus? Uh, yeah, I mean, I would love Notre Dame personally because we're here for content, and that would give us content. Uh, but LSU versus, you know, like a Wisconsin, Miami, North Carolina, I think would be interesting. Kansas, throw them in there. LSU versus Kansas, I'm here for it. Uh, LSU versus like Utah, maybe. All sound like fun, fun matchups to me. Oklahoma. Yeah, I think they're not going to put SEC on SEC with SEC next year coming up. Um, But yeah, I think that third loss knocks you out of New Year's six six contention, which I said from the start of the year should have been their goal, making the year six game. They're going to fall short of that, which is unfortunate. Uh, and then he said, gumbo, jambalaya, or etouffee. I will rock jambalaya with this answer, or jambalaya, however you say it. That was, that was, was going to be my pick. Um, you yeah, pick I'm it. Say There's enough for everybody. No, I, yeah, I'm going to say jambalaya. Right. Etouffee is great. Uh, Christian Case, how ridiculous is the melt when Brian Kelly took over a program that was in shambles just two seasons ago? So I wrote a bunch about this on Sunday. I'll make it even shorter than Cliff's notes. I'll try to do it in under 20 seconds. LSU, when Brian Kelly took over, was a program that had gone back-to-back 500 regular seasons. It was the first losing season, including that bowl game when John Trey Kirkland, a wide receiver, started a quarterback, the first losing season since DiNardo in 1999. He had 38 scholarship players. If you were to have – we've talked about this before, Matty B. If you were to have said, I will give you a head coach in Brian Kelly who's got a great win percentage, one of the most experienced coaches in college football, 30-plus years as a head coach, and within the first two years, one year you'll have potentially you'll potentially have double digit wins both years. 
10 plus wins, 10 wins. One of those years, I'll give you an SEC West crown. The other year, I'll give you the number one offense in college football. Nobody's turning that down. Nope, nobody is. Um, still, so yes, any freak out is absolutely wild to me. Yeah, and it's it's fruitless, obviously. Um, I will say again, I said on the last podcast, there is pressure to beat Florida and to beat AM. Just you got to win those games. Um, yeah, you do. Florida is is not a good team right now, in my opinion. Uh, AM is 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 decent, as we know. I mean, pushed Ole Miss, Cape almost beat them, but. You know, Max Johnson's a quarterback. He might even be injured, so who knows at that point. But you got to win those two games. And like you said, back-to-back, potentially 10-win seasons. I mean, there's really – it's again, you want to win championship, you want to get to the playoff, yes, but you got to take steps to get there, and I think this is still a step. And Brian Kelly said it today. This team, this staff has not, and he has not, and will drill it into them, has not lost the – reality of the importance of winning these next three games and setting yourself up for a 10 win season, because that absolutely is paramount for recruiting. Like when you can sell and recruiting back to back 10 win seasons in your first two years as a staff, one of them being sec West champs, one having the best offense in college football that matters. I mean, A&M is sitting right now at five and four. They've had one 10 win season since 1999 and 10 win seasons are the mark of, as Brian Kelly said today, it's good to great to elite. You get to 10 win seasons, you're passing up good. You're moving into great and you're trying to get to elite and you have to continue to make those steps. So every game right now is very, very of the utmost importance to get a win and they'll be favored at home in all of them. Yeah. Um, two more. Mike the Tiger uh, did want to come back and say, uh, Mike the Tiger 10. Uh, Matty B, your first experience in Tuscaloosa, what did you think of the game day experience? Well, the in-game experience was awesome. I I mean, the stadium's awesome. The lights are awesome. I think the crowd is 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 awesome. Um, just the overall environment was really really cool to be in. Um, you know, I I didn't hit the overall tailgating scene much. I, mean, I walked through it. You know, saw some um, saw people and everything. It looked very lively, very active, as you expect from Alabama, LSU, and all these schools. So. Overall, positive experience, um, and I'm glad I got to be inside of Brian Denny one time. Yeah, the in-game experience there always draws uh, pretty good reviews. People get mad at the piped-in music. Uh, they prefer just a band or something like that, but it's a it provides for an entertaining – look, they put butts in the seats and also helps when you win games, and that was a big one. But um, Yeah, I didn't even think about that when the game was going on. It makes it a cool experience, I guess. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't think about that when the game was going on. Yeah, people, people, people get mad at piped in music. They don't want it. Uh, last one here, Cairo, nineteen eighty nine, finishing in under an hour. Impressive stuff by me. Uh, and I, had, you, I, had to, I had to lock it up. I had to lock it up relatively quickly. Mostly impressed by you for locking it quickly. Um, has the defense lost faith in House? No, I don't think so either. But I mean, I don't know. Um, when I watch a game, I. I you look at the effort, yes, and I don't think the effort has gone away. Um, I just think players are either not put in the right position or not unable to execute. I mean, we've seen yeah. there's so many with tackles. I mean, they just don't – they're I just not good that, enough. Yeah, player frustration, wouldn't it come more with yourself? Like if you're if you're playing really well, you're not frustrated with house. You're 
like, damn, these other guys aren't executing. If you're the one who's missing tackles and getting your ankle broken and all, you know, all these different things out there and are playing a bad game, you don't turn around and get mad at your DC. You're like, I, I played terrible. Like, God, that sucked. Yeah. And at this point, at this point, most of these guys are veterans to the point where they have been in college football long enough to where it's not, it's not a maturity thing to me. Um, it's not a faith thing to me. This is being unable to execute. I think that's pretty straightforward. And then he asked last one, how's the locker room with three losses all at the hands of the defense? There might be some looks coming from the offensive players. There could be, but look again, these guys are all there for each other. Um, and that's, it's not like team talk or locker room. I mean, they want to see the defense go out and ball. They want them to have big plays. They, you know, they celebrate together when they win. I don't think it's one of those things where anyone on the offense is like beefing with the defense. It's just like, it is what it is. These guys have played football all their lives. I'm sure at times they've been on the the other end of it where it's like, I'm a receiver, yeah. but our offense stinks and the defense is really good. And, you know, man, we can't get it going and you don't get mad at the other side because of it, or, you know, you're just get upset with yourself. I think this is way more on the defense having to just have a confident mindset that they can go out and do it. Yeah. I mean, every year we probably see what a handful, like three or four teams, maybe in college football be like, all right, man, you know, that, that like that team maybe quit like that. Maybe that team is going through it or something like that. And that's the, um, what Southern miss this year, you know, when they lost 55 to three, you know, they were really going through it. Um, just there, those are the type of teams. This is not a team that's six and three. It was still goals ahead of it. Um, and you're going to play Florida. You still have AM on the schedule. Like there are still real, those are rivalry games. Those are big games for players and for and coaches. Kelly said that the, he was not worried about the locker room one bit. Um, and I guess in two, they haven't lost back to back games. Well, yes, I guess Georgia AM. Um, oh, yeah. but then they won Purdue. Uh, but I think that they come out and want to get that taste out of their mouth and, and do that this weekend with a win over Florida. Yeah. I, I really feel confident in that. I mean, you talk uh, about think... you talk about headspace. LSU has to be in a much better headspace than Florida and AM going into the back. <laughs> last three games of the season i mean florida got beat by arkansas in overtime yeah so i i just i understand it's bad and i understand lsu fans focus on lsu and they see lsu and be like oh things are going wrong this is not good a&m florida go down the list of, of teams that are in a much worse situation here than a team potentially that could potentially go nine and three this year the only looks i think you'll get from offensive players is go uh go back and find the post-game celebration video at missouri <laughs> where all the defense was dancing and rapping and cutting up. And then they pan over and Jane Daniels is like getting his Jersey cut off. And basically it's just like bruises everywhere. All right, guys, like, y'all enjoy like, a couple of DBs didn't even have any grass on their Jersey. <laughs> he's also, old, I mean, he's what 23 years old at this point. He's, he's yeah. fifth year senior, man. He, when you get that 23 up in age, I mean, as you know, you, you just, you're here to work, you're here to work. Dude, the, his old teammates burned all of his stuff in his locker room. You think he's beefing on the defense, right? He's been through he loves way it here, worse. Man. He's he loves it. Yeah, he's been worse. through some stuff, man. He's been through some stuff. Um, but all right, that's it. Like you said, less than an hour. Less than an hour. Mm. Um, if you're not on the lookout for it, if you missed and you were unable to send a question in, uh, we do we post these um 
either right before or right after Brian Kelly goes on Mondays. So be on the lookout. Just be on the phone. And you should honestly just be on the Bengal Tiger board anyways all day long, just refreshing and reading stories and interacting because it's a lot of fun. And we have a good time. And now I get ready. We get ready for the basketball games tonight. It's it's b-ball season. Maddie B's pulling double duties tonight. He's going to be watching. uh, Wait, aren't the women on TNT or is it TBS? TNT. TNT. That's cool. 6.30. Very cool. Yep. 6.30 TNT. They have a, they're the second to last game and a quadruple header that South Carolina and Notre Dame played this morning. Uh, No, I'm sorry. They played in, in uh, Paris. There's a USC and Ohio state played this morning on the women's side. And then they have a men's game and then LSU and then another men's game. So, and LSU plays a top 20 team in Colorado. So should be a fun way to kick off the season. Um, And like I said, men's play uh, one of the worst teams in college basketball. So they're going to cover LSU was going to cover book it, book it right here. Maddie B will be providing no best bets on LSU Florida. He's just doing it on LSU Mississippi Valley state or whoever they're playing tonight. Fade Mississippi Valley state, baby. There we go. There you go. Well, Shout out to everyone. Shout out to all the subscribers, everyone for listening. Maddie B, YouTube side is growing. Good job. We're cruising. We're cruising. Um, but yeah, thank y'all for joining us. I'll leave a like, comment, share, subscribe, and we will talk to y'all later. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.